Wow. I didn't realise it's been five months, albeit since I recorded my last podcast. Firstly, I can apologise as I know this podcast has gained, in effect, a lot of traction. So to not record, to not provide that content, I feel one, I've let you guys down, but I also feel like I've let myself down and I don't like to let myself down. So the online disruptor is back. It's back and it's going to be a fortnightly podcast. I say that there may be one weekly, but forecasts fortnightly will be the minimum. For those who don't know, this podcast is very opinionated. It's very open. It's very deep, but it is very, very honest. It's almost unedited, but something that's going to change now is I'm going to record the podcast in blocks. Some of the feedback was they could tell I was tiring off towards the end, which I could have just come on here and recorded it in blocks and not told you that, but this is honest. I don't want to sound like I'm slacking. I'm going to record it all in one go as such, but I'm going to take breaks in between to to get some water or, or to just recharge as as such it's also going to be similar to before where I've got my notebook and there's going to be notes but it's going to be very much one topic the other feedback was you're switching in between almost you're going from one topic to another and I didn't find that was helping anyone sometimes it will be like that but for the next four episodes they're going to be very focused For example, this one is the lessons I've learned during my startup days, and that's very much what it says. Albeit I switch back to my past a lot, but it is very much what it says. I'm excited to be back. I genuinely miss doing this podcast, but I've been so busy. And as I say that, I almost reflect I have I have been busy. But there has been times when I could have recorded this podcast. Of course. I've been so busy with my new girlfriend, with, with work. Um, and now, obviously, we're in a second lockdown. But now new business opportunities are showing themselves in front of me. So I'm busy with that. But there has been times where I could have stopped. I could have recorded a podcast and I didn't. And I feel... For the, like a lot of people who know me know that I hate to fail and I've almost feel like I failed on this, but I haven't. I can save it. And this is my attempt of saving it. I actually totally forgot I did an episode in June. I thought it was March, but I looked back on my podcast hosting, hosting platform and realized that actually it was June when I recorded the last one, episode four. Hitler, lockdown, depression and trading. I totally forgot I recorded that. That's how bad it's been. I thought it was March. I thought it was ages ago. And it, ha- it has been a while. So I guess, without further ado, let's dive into episode five of The Online Disruptor. Okay, so I guess the 
first thing I should probably do before going into the notes properly, and I won't do this in full because admittedly it's quite long, but I think it, I should briefly give you an overview of sort of my story, my journey, that sort of thing. It won't be too much detail, it'll just be bullet points listed off the tongue as, as I can remember it. Um, but it would really help for the remainder of the podcast. You'd, you'd almost understand why I came to the decision to leave my job, leave We Love Social. I, on, on previous podcasts, when I mentioned it, I blocked out the name, but of course they've gone bust. So there's no need to block out the name anymore. We Love Social. Remember that name. That name is going to be talked about and... I know the boss listens to this podcast, so I've probably, I'm probably going to piss him off. Um, so apologies, but it, it was part of my story, and I have to, I have to share it. If I get a letter on my desk on Monday saying there's legal action, there's nothing that can be done. It's all been checked. Hey ho! But yeah, I guess the first thing I should do is just give you a bit of an overview of my story. I won't go back too far. I'll go back to 14. So picture it, this 14-year-old kid hates school, like despises school, does everything he can to almost get kicked out of school. Throws, like, I was a bad kid. <laughs> I don't like to admit it, but I was a really bad kid. Made the teachers, made everyone's lives a misery. So. When I was 14, um, I enrolled myself, or I got my parents to enroll myself onto a home schooling, like we'd find the tutor sort of thing, homeschooling program. But I never turned up to that. So it got to the point where my dad turned around to me and said, right, son, you're, you're coming to work on a building site. If you don't want to be in school, you're com coming to work on a building site. So at 14, I left school, per se, to, to go and work on a building site. So in effect, I've worked all my life. I've always enjoyed work, hard work. I'm used to early starts, late finishes, that sort of stuff. And I've admittedly, I've always got that from my dad. Like, I've not always had a strong relationship with him and it is a bit all over the place. Now, he has a lot of faults. It's an honest podcast. I have to share that. He has a lot of faults. He's not good at a lot of stuff. He almost has a attitude a bit like Donald Trump he's very stubborn he'll he'll get aggy if he doesn't get his own way but one thing I really learned from my father was hard work he he runs a business it was successful back in the day they haven't adapted and it's still successful but it's a small business but that's the one thing I learned was about hard work hard graft and, and I did get that from my dad. So at 14, I left school, um, worked all my life, went on to building sites. At 16, um, I was working on a building site, but then I went in, into care, um, which I briefly touched on in previous podcasts. I'm not going to go into too much detail on that. Re really tough time in my life, of course, but I went into care, didn't enjoy it or wanted something to fulfill my mind so I, I went to work in a lettuce factory 
And it sounds so weird. It sounds so bad. And looking back, no, no, that's not true. Looking back, I actually remember it as such great fun. I remember I had to wake up at like five in the morning because I started work over in Preston. I was traveling from Wigan over to Preston. I think it was about a 30, 40 minute journey every day to start work at 6.30 to cut romaine lettuce, to cut iceberg lettuce. And I remember it. And I, I said I wouldn't go into too much details of things, but this really, really sticks with me. It was so much fun. Okay, I had to wake up super early, like five o'clock, start work 6.30, finish by four, but I had great fun. And I was was promoted to a manager's role there. I had to look after all, I don't know if I can say it without people getting in trouble. It was a very dodgy operation as such. There was a lot of, I believe, illegal um, workers. That's as far as I'm saying on that. But I was in charge of all um, the Ukrainians, the Romanians, all, all that sort of stuff. And I, I got to drive the tractors around while they, they were cutting lettuce in a factory. I only spent, I think, about two, three weeks cutting lettuce before they just let this 16-year-old kid who has no experience before go off driving tractors. It was great fun. And it was hard work because of the hours, of course, but it was also great fun. Then I came back, I went to Plymouth, I got an apprenticeship. Um, shout out to David Bogart. No, none of you will know who this guy is. Um, unless you know him. <laughs> well, yeah, unless you know him. But the chances are most of you or none of you will know who this guy is. But this is the guy who I have so much time, so much respect for. He gave me my first ever proper salaried job. He almost started my career he, he's the boss he's an owner of a company called skill tech pitman training devon and cornwall and he really helped me kickstart my career i owe a lot to to that team to him so if yeah so obviously he means means so much to me so i got an apprenticeship there finished the year um it was a rocky year i, I got the apprenticeship in the end and then I went off to work for a PLC company called Marketing Source. They were later acquired by Aquinity Data. So during the apprenticeship, my, my apprenticeship was very much sales-based, cold calling, um, email selling, LinkedIn selling, all that type of stuff, selling IT courses. Then I finished that. I went on to work for Marketing Source. My job was very much to talk, to set up leads as a lead generator, cold calling for these big corporate companies and I remember I landed the likes of Pizza Express I landed Lloyd Banking Group and I almost fell on top of the world it was such an exciting experience this young 17 18 whatever I was then kid being able yeah I was 17 um kid closing deals setting up leads with like the commercial directors at Lloyd's Banking Group. You can imagine what that feels like, but also what the experience I learned from that. It was really exciting. However, what wasn't so exciting was the day they set targets. Now, I did not believe in this. This 
this was my almost downfall. I got sacked for faking statistics. Okay, it was my fault, but I, I was closing all these deals. I was having purposeful conversations and the commercial director, I won't name him, he turns around and says, right, you've got to make 100 calls a day. And okay, that's fair enough, but I couldn't keep up with that because I was having actual conversations with people. So in the end, I just picked up the phone and kept dialing a number just so it would boost my statistics. And in the end, that was it for me. I got fired, which was a shame. To be fair, that's the only job I've actually ever been fired from. All the other places I've left because I was either unhappy Obviously, the apprenticeship ended, so I left there. But all the other places, I, I've always quit. And that, so after that, I went on to work for a place. Going off topic again, I do that a lot. Apologies. So after marketing source slash equity data, I went off to work for a company called MCAS. This was only going to be a two, three week agreement anyway, until I found a more business to business role. That's what I'm used to. But MCAS was a PPE. Oh, no. PPI. PPI. It was a PPI company. So I was calling these people, cold calling um, these people, trying to sell them like misled PPI and all that sort of crap. And yeah, it, it's sort of in the, it's sort of what it sounds like. It was shit. It was horrible. But I learned so much about selling. But you had to follow the script. I really hated it. You could be talking to someone. And they'd be like, oh, my partner just died. And you've got to follow the script. So, like, what did I do? I didn't. I didn't follow the script. I had morals. Um, but they always used to bollock me for it. They bollocked me for it. So in the end, I just quit. I just quit because I think my morals have to come. I, I think I've got to have my morals above, above other, other stuff, you know. So, we'll, but we'll go on to that later on. So, after MCAS, I joined the agency We Love Social. Now, obviously, this was a massive disaster. This could have been career breaking because I'd already had, I, I was at MCAS for a short period of time. I got sacked for marketing source EQ data. And then We Love Social went, went tits up as well. Um, when I was there, it. It sounds bad, but it was almost an inside job. I, I didn't know I wanted to start a marketing agency. I knew I wanted to start a business, but I didn't know it would be a marketing agency. So I was going to go there, get some experience in marketing, get a couple of grand, and then go set up my agency. But within three weeks, I realized I don't like the way this guy's running business. Yeah, he. He looks inspirational with, with the shit he has or like him bragging. But I didn't like the way he was treating his customers. It felt morally wrong. I had people on the phone telling me, look, I want to cancel. This guy's taking money from me. And I was like, look, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm so sorry. So in the end, I just quit. And I, I remember it. it took me like two weeks for him to actually set up my email address as well. So like. There were red flags from the start. He never gave me a contract. Um, he never paid me, of course. But it, to be tr to be fair, I wasn't I wasn't expecting 
to get paid. But I remember I quit We Love Social. I sent him an email the night, that night, 20, 24th, I think it was. Well, yeah, it was the night before I set up my company. So I sent him an email on the 24th saying, look, James, I'm not happy. I'm going to, I've got to, I've got to leave. Blah, blah, blah. I did it properly. I never cut corners. And then on the 25th, I incorporated my company. I just set it up. Okay, so I guess it, it's now the right time to almost cast my mind back to when I started my agency. And when I started the agency, the agency started as socialstrategy.media. I thought I knew everything. I literally thought I knew everything about running a business. But as the time went on, as the debt was almost piling up, I quickly realised that I actually knew fuck all about running a business, about building a business, but I could almost blag it anyway. I remember my first almost affirmations, my first targets, which I genuinely thought was realistic. And looking back, I don't know why. Um, but the first goal, the first target I thought was, and I wrote it down, I still have it to this day in, in one of my diaries, was, Liam Chick, this year, you're going to make a million pounds. You're going to be a millionaire this year. And obviously, you're probably there laughing now, just like I am. But I genuinely believed that back then. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I think entrepreneurs and business people are deluded. That is a given. Admittedly, we are all very deluded in what we do. We're very deluded people. We're very misled at times. Our head can easily switch direction. But that is a big bit of delusion. I don't know why I thought that. And I, I almost don't believe in goal setting, but I do, if, if that almost makes sense. So I think it's good to have a clear vision of where you're going, but I don't think you should put a time frame on it. So my goal, one of my goals is obviously to become a millionaire, and that's still a goal of mine. But as soon as I took away the target of the pressure and all that sort of stuff, I realised I was more focused. In 2017, May 25th, 2017, when I set up the business, I, I did, I went on my wonder list and I set a number of goals, such as get an office by June 18 or some stuff like that. And I quickly found myself, I quickly found the pressure was piling on. I'm, I'm going to go into this in a bit more detail further down in the podcast because there's a full section on, on goal setting and, and the pressures and all that sort of stuff. But the point is, when I started my business, I thought I knew everything. The truth is, I knew fuck all. And the thing about this podcast is that and one thing I genuinely want to use this podcast for is I want to be able to look back in X amount of years, 5, 10, 15 years to be able to reflect on my journey. And even though starting my business was, albeit three years ago, it, it is kind of still fresh in my mind. Like, I do remember it. There's bits I don't remember, but I remember the majority of it. So I'm, I'm quite conscious I'm quite cautious of that knowing that in five years 
and after all the people I met, the journey I've been on, the things I might achieve by then, I know the startup will almost be pushed out. I may forget it. It may not be in my brain anymore. So that is the main reason why this is getting recorded now, but also the insight. I learned so much. I, le- I genuinely, I learned so much. More, more than I, I've, I learned more back then than I do now. I'm still learning now, but it's a different level of learning. And we'll talk about that in a future podcast, of course. I'm, I guess I'm also really fortunate enough that I'm able now to spend less time at Brisk and more time focusing on other opportunities. So this week, myself, my partner briefly discussed it, my like personal partner briefly discussed it, but I've also discussed it with my wider team in more detail that we've discussed the opportunity um, through a new business uh, opportunity as such. So I guess with this coming up and this potential venture, now's a good time to actually look back and have a proper reflect. So that when I go and when we start up this new business venture, I really understand where I fucked up with Brist's social strategy in the beginning, why it succeeded and how it's progressing. I can really take that into my next venture and that excites me. But as you can imagine, I don't usually have the time to just reflect. So why not make a podcast? Why not reflect? Why not write all the notes down in my notebook? And then you never know. This new venture might just be the next best thing. Okay, so the first note, the first word um, as such in my notebook section is just why. And, and what this means, it, it, it's really simple, of course. It means what was my reasoning? What was my logic? Why did I decide to take the leap from a comfortable salary job into the unknown to, to set up my own business? And I've never truly reflected on this. Of course, I've given overview answers of it'll be fun. I wanted my own money, stuff like that. But I've never truly reflected on it. And when I look back, it it's a weird one because 100% I would do it again, of, of course. And I, at the moment, I am doing it again. I'm going into a new business venture as we speak. It may work, it may fail, but it's because I tried. Um, and looking back at when I started social strategy, there's no real answer as to why I did it. I just did it. I, I had rent to pay at the time. And I took the decision to to move out in, in either the April or the May, move out, go into a garage where it was almost rent free as such. I just paid for the electric water, that sort of stuff. It was a converted garage, but it wasn't. It certainly wasn't fancy. And of course, I took that decision to leave a well paid salary job as such. A lot to my parents' dismay, I, I remember it. They were like, no, you can't do this. I wasn't actually living at home at the time, but they were like, no, you cannot do this. They were very, very firm on me not being able to do it. But to my parents' dismay, to my friends' dismay, who in the end I learned weren't true friends, they were only 
they never supported me, so of course I choose a better chose a better friendship circle. But to my friends, my family, my parents' dismay, I left the We Love Social twenty fourth of May twenty seventeen, and the next day I just set up this agency. And the why behind it, the reasoning was, I was looking at James who ran We Love Social. And looking back, I was very, very misguided about what running a business would be. I would hear him on the phone, phone to his mates going, oh, I just bagged a big deal, 20 grand deal in the bag. I saw the sort of campaign work they were doing. It looked really exciting. But I was very, very misled. It was none of that. I realised quickly that I didn't actually have the skills needed to run a business, albeit I certainly learnt them really, really fast. But to the normal person, they have every right to call me stupid. I was very stupid. I was very misled. I was very, very naive. Yet, I certainly would do it again. It's a weird one. Um... And the answer I usually give when people ask, what, what was actually your why behind quitting the job, going to start a business? And it would very much be, of course, financial gain. I genuinely thought I could become a millionaire within year one. Very, very misguided, of course. That wasn't the case. Still not the case yet, but we'll see. Um, I, I wanted my own, own financial freedom as well. Um, and of course, I was comfortable in these cold, cool jobs, in these corporate jobs, but I didn't feel almost fulfilled. I didn't actually feel I had a purpose. My purpose was to wake up, let's take We Love Social or Marketing Source slash EQ Data, for example. My purpose was to wake up at 7 a.m., spend an hour getting ready, shower, wash, all that sort of stuff, to go into the job, start work for nine, finish at five, go home, play Xbox, and, and almost be content in that job, but not fulfilled. And weirdly, looking back, I actually felt really, really trapped working for people. I felt trapped in that lifestyle. And now I reflect the biggest reason I do all these things is to give myself my own freedom. Running a business, the biggest lesson I actually learned is running, and what I thought it would be, I thought I'd be my own boss. I could almost make my own decisions. And to an extent, that's true. But certainly in a client-fulfilled industry, so marketing, advertising, web design, all that sort of stuff where you, you work for clients, you're not your own boss. That was one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And I've always been good at managing people. I've never overreacted or anything. But when I've got in the, in the early days when I was almost freelancing and I've got clients sort of bossing me around as such, telling me what to do, I'm like, is this really what I signed up to? But I was doing my own thing. I was building my own name, my own brand within the space. It was really enjoyable. And the biggest reason I did take the step from a comfortable salaried paid role was because of that, that freedom. And the reason now, thinking about it, because obviously I'm financially stable as such now, but I'm taking the risk again, 
to to set up this new business which may work it may not work who knows it will be almost documented on the podcast on my twitter and weirdly i'm not afraid if it fails okay i'm still financially stable but if i wasn't i'd still do it anyway and i don't i'm trying to think why i'm why i like to take those risks and i I guess it's almost to prove people wrong, but I, I really, I am actually terrified. And I speak to my partner, my partner, Hannah. I speak to her about this a few times. And I said, Hannah, I'm actually terrified of dying average. And I've told a few people about this and I, it is genuine. Like when I'm on my deathbed, I don't want to look back over the years and think, I could have taken that opportunity. It could have been the next big thing. It could have given me, my partner, my brother, my family, almost financial freedom. It could have treated us. It could have taken us on holiday. It could have done all these things. I don't want to look back and think, fuck, that could have been a big thing, but I was too scared to do it. And I get, I used to get loads, and I still get a few, mainly on Twitter now. I get loads of DMs off people who are like, how did you do it? I, I remember talking to um, a guy called Anushka. This video's on my Instagram TV story, but I remember talking to a guy called Anushka and he was basically asking me, why did you do it? Was it easy? And the answer is, the honest answer is, yes, I thought it would be easy, but no, it really, really isn't easy. It's not for the faint-hearted as such. You will. And this is, not everyone will experience this. You will, or like I did, you'll experience, like I remember when I started the first year, I was obviously living in the garage. For the first four months or so, I didn't have much money. Like I borrowed and paid back off my ex at the time. But I remember I was living on like horrid porridge oats like with water I couldn't even have milk with it I couldn't afford it I was really really skint um and that was almost my life for the first year okay after four months the business did start making money but I almost found it going straight back out again I didn't really understand the concept of running a business I brought freelancers on board who were paid on projects and they charged they they almost left little margin for profit and i realized that this is a lot tougher than i thought and i learned so much within the first year of running a business we'll touch on that a little bit later but in a nutshell my why has always been i want the freedom i am terrified of dying average and okay i am money driven but I'm not money driven to the fact where I'm I'm all so I'm greedy with money admittedly I'm quite tight as such I almost find when you earn your own money when you put yourself through the sacrifices like it's really not been easy for the last three years of course three years seven months whatever it is it's not been easy but I find when you you sacrifice everything I sacrificed, you're a lot more careful with money because it means a lot more to you. You understand the value of money. But for me, 
money doesn't mean nice stuff for me. It means I can go away on holiday and make memories with my partner. It means I can go to the, like, even little things. Me and my dad don't have the best relationship, but it means I could take my dad properly out to, for a meal at the pub. It means I can go for drinks with my brother. It means I can actually create memories with the people that actually mean a lot to me rather than just spend it all on myself. Okay, I treat myself. Like, what would you expect? But for me, money is freedom. Money is the opportunity for a better life. You can change, almost change the world with money. You, you, can, you can give back. And, and for me, I'm terrified of dying average. I want to leave a legacy. If I get rich out of it, I get rich out of it. If I don't, I still want to leave a legacy. I'm, I'm just, look, it's one life. That's why, that's the main reason I did it. Because it very much is one life, one opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that's the reason. That's my why. That's my why. Okay, so this one is... I don't know how long it's going to be, but this point is very, very important. It's very important to me because it, it almost helps me understand what sort of person I am. And the next note in my, my point book, my wonder list I'm using now, not ever, ever notes, just says parents. And this is very contradictory in itself. Everyone who's listening should know what that means. So when I first was going about starting my business, I spent a few days planning it, of course. And I went back um, to my parents like the week before and I told them about it. I told them about the idea. I was like, look, I'm not happy here. I want to start a marketing agency dad's done well within his business or he did do well what do you think and they were so resilient to the idea they were so against it i think resilient might have been the wrong word actually i don't know why that came to my mind but they were so against it and actually thinking of it they weren't so against it my mum was so against it my mum was almost angry at the fact of me going off and doing that. And I told my dad, and my dad's the type of person that if he disagrees with something, if he doesn't like something, he will tell you straight away. He will say no, or that's a good idea, or, or whatever. But you know what I mean? My dad didn't say anything. It was my mum going on the rant. And in my mind, that made me think, my dad actually wants me to do this idea. He wants me to almost pursue my dreams my goals but my mum's all against it and I used to get I haven't recently but I used to get loads of messages off like young people like 16 17 year old kids just going look I want to start this this idea I want to start this like app I want to start this food brand I want to create bracelets I want to start this idea but my parents won't let me what do you suggest and I just, in the nicest way possible, I tell them to fuck, you, fuck off your parents as such. Like, it sounds harsh and, like, I don't tell them like that, but that's the messaging I give them. Because 
in my opinion, my parents almost had it so easy back in the day. Like there wasn't many people around starting up new businesses. There wasn't social media. There wasn't the technological advances. And yet my dad was allowed to start up his business. So why aren't I? And that's the thing. If my dad were just too, like if my parents were just too normal working people who didn't have a business, any of this sort of stuff, then I may, may understand a little bit. But the fact my dad owns his own company, I was thinking, why are they against this? And looking back, I, I definitely, I still wouldn't take their advice. But if they explained a little bit better why and the challenges I'd face and, and how difficult it was actually going to be, because I, admittedly, I thought it was going to be so easy. I thought it was going to be a, a walk in the park. I thought millionaire by May 2018, I thought it was, my life was going to be complete. <laughs> and looking back, it, it, it was so untrue. But having said all that, your parents and my parents, they, they do. They always want the best for you, but they don't understand what the best route for you is. I mean, OK, let me exp expand on that. My dad is, I think, I want to say 60 plus, 65, something like that. And he just got... He got a new iPhone because the, the people in his office were persuading him to get a new iPhone. I mean, he's the type of person to be happy with a brick phone. Now, for those who know, iPhones are the most simplest, easy to use things in the world, aren't they, really? Like, if you want to write a text, you just know what to do straight away. It took my dad two and a half hours to learn how to write a text. And this may look like I'm, I'm almost slagging off my dad. I'm not. My mum's almost similar. She's a little bit better. But when I was starting, she was almost useless with technology. And I'm not slagging off my parents. The point I'm trying to make is they don't have a clue about the technological advances. They don't know that you could instantly reach someone from your Instagram account within 10 minutes. Maybe, probably quicker. Um, that was just a figure off the top of my head. They don't realise that you could probably, like, over five months, connect with half the world. They don't know that you've got LinkedIn to create new business opportunities. They don't know that you can add shopping onto Instagram. They don't know about the technological advances. So, in hindsight, they don't think you'll make it because you wouldn't make it if it was the old-fashioned way. It's not the old fashioned way. We've moved forward. We've moved with the times. New technology is coming out all the time. AI, artificial intelligence, um, is going to almost take over the world. So we are fully prepared, fully equipped to take brands into that space because we're forward thinking. I'm forward thinking. We understand from in depth research and, and whatnot that there'll probably be a brain chip within 10, 15 years. So when that comes, we'll be ready to take brands into that space and market our products on that space. I think parents are a great, great thing, but I think they're only a guidance to what you want to become. 
if your parents force you to do something that you truly don't want to do, I 100% believe you should always stand up for yourself. Parents think they know what's best for you and they have a rough idea of what's best for you, but you can only find out what's best for you on your own. The amount of times my parents have tried to give me life lessons and tell me what to do, what not to do, is loads. And looking back, if I listened, I wouldn't have fucked up X amount of time. But as a kid, as someone who wants, really wants to pursue something, I find you've got to do it. You've got to learn. You've got to mess up. You've got to take the losses like a champ. And then you've got to get back on your hind horse. High horse. Yeah. Parents are great. They think they know what's best for you. Most of the time they don't. That's, that's parents in a nutshell. And... I'm not slagging off anyone's parents here, of course, but if your parents tell you no to pursuing a dream, pursuing an idea, doing dancing, if that's what you really want to do, or acting or something like that, you've got to ask yourself why. Why are they saying no when actually it's my life? If I want to do dancing with my friends, if I want to play football with my friends, why can't I do that? And I I honestly... I honestly believe you should only do what's best for you. And that's what I did. Albeit it was really, really tough. And if I listened to my parents, I wouldn't have gone through stress for three, four years. But I gave myself freedom. I built something I enjoy. When I, I'm not at the office much anymore, but when I was at the office, it was literally me and my mates just taking the piss out of each other all day. It was brilliant. I built a community that, where my mates were, that I loved, and that I could honestly see myself working here for the rest. And I've taken myself almost away from the brisk agency now because I realised I was overseeing too much and it, I was stopping it from, from growing. And of course, that's going to come on a future podcast when we talk about like, taking a brand to the next step and whatnot. But right now, it, we're just talking about the startup days. And yeah, that's it on parents. I would honestly take my advice. I mean, it may be the wrong advice. You can find out for yourself. But I would honestly take my advice. Do what's right for you. Okay, so the next point in my uh, wonder list just says responsibilities. And this probably isn't what you think it's going to be. So when I started my business, I had zero, as such, I'll explain, zero responsibilities. I don't have any kids. Okay, I had a partner, but I, <laughs> this is going to sound really bad, but I didn't really care about her. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that makes me sound like a bit of a dick. Um, it happens, but I had, yeah, back, back on track, please, um, Liam. I had zero responsibilities. I, I don't have kids. I didn't have a partner that I cared about. Um, I, yes, you get what I mean. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a house I needed to pay mortgage for. I didn't have any responsibilities. So, in effect, okay, the only thing I did do was downgrade to a garage. 
But in effect, I could easily take the jump. Okay, it was three, four years and still is stressful life, like years of my life. But I could easily take the jump without having much financial burden. It was easy. One piece of advice I'd give to people looking to start a business that if you have got responsibility, if you have got bills you need to pay, if you've got stuff you need to pay, don't just do what I did and quit everything and just start up a new business. And the chances are you won't listen to this. If you want to really do it, you'll do it anyway. But even when I had no responsibilities, it was still so tough. Like I could hardly afford to feed myself for months. It was that tough. But having no responsibilities, not having a partner I needed to treat, not having bills I needed to pay per se, not having rent and all this sort of stuff, it allowed me to really progress, really focus, really pursue my goals within the marketing space. But if I did have kids I needed to feed, if I did have rent, then this would not have been the right option for me. I was very, very lucky. I started at a young age. I had no pressures, financial pressures on me, and it allowed me to really focus on this. But if you don't want to go through the stress, the only bit of advice I would give is probably do this on, a, on the side of something. So get a part-time job. So I'll take Ben Francis. Ben Francis um, is the co-founder or the CEO, one of them, I think he stepped away from the CEO, but he's the co-founder of um, Gymshark, which is a global, You should, everyone should know what Gymshark is, but it's a global uh, gym wear, gym clothes brand. And I remember watching his story when he started, he was at university during the day, so probably nine to four or five, something like that. Then at 5.30 till 10 o'clock, he was delivering pizzas. So earning money on the side of that. And then at 10 o'clock till late, late slash early in the morning, he was focused on his brand. He was sending orders. He was marketing his products. And that's a very, very sensible thing to do. And I applaud him so much for that. And he obviously had responsibilities. He had uni, which is obviously very important. Looking back, he probably didn't need uni, um, but he didn't know Gymshark was necessarily going to take off. But those are the two things I'd say. If you've got responsibilities, don't just go and jump into creating a new business opportunity. If you've got the freedom, be prepared for the mental stress. But if you really want to pursue it, then I would 100% pursue it. But it's not going to be easy. You will find yourselves having months of uh, mental stress and all this sort of stuff. And as I go into this new business venture that I keep talking about, but I'm not actually going to share it yet. It's a secret. I know it's launching on the 20th of November. So hopefully there'll be a podcast then talking about it, talking about how we set it up, how we came about it, all that sort of stuff. And I almost want to document it as a journey. But yeah, the point was start a business based on your 
responsibilities that you have. It can be very easy to get super, super excited over something as I did and just quit everything. And as I said, luckily I had no responsibilities, but if I just quit everything then, and I had a partner who I cared about who I wanted to take out or kids to feed or rent to pay, I would have need, I would, I would have probably not made it. I would have easily crumbled. Okay, it was my decision to go back down to a garage and okay, it's sort of a cool story to be able to share, talk about on stage when I do my public talking, speaking. But yeah, that's the point. Run a business, start a business with your responsibilities. Yeah. Okay, so I guess the biggest thing that I could have possibly learned, and this is the next point in, in my wonder list, the biggest thing I could have possibly learned and did learn from my past, but learned even more doing this, was that you need to know how to sell. And a lot of people ask me, how do you get clients? I'm scared of like cold calling. What if people don't want my services and all that sort of stuff? And I just tell them, look, you've got to be different. You've got to find a way to get through. So at the start of my agency journey, I did a lot of cold calling. I'm talking maybe 70, 80 calls a day as such. And I quickly realized that I was getting through to about 10% of them. 9% of them, the 10% I got through to were saying no. And the 1%, well, send me an email or something like that. It was extremely difficult. Okay, albeit I got a few clients of cold calling. But when you're on your own, when you've started a business, you don't want to be spending your day cold calling. So one thing I've never utilized in my past was LinkedIn. So I quickly took to LinkedIn. I quickly built a strategy for my LinkedIn and soon I realized I was getting so many more calls through LinkedIn, uh, like setting up so many more calls through LinkedIn. And I thought, okay, why is this working? Because the conditional way says cold calling works, but I've just got 20 leads within a day through LinkedIn. So why? And I quickly realized that if you do stuff the conditional way, you will piss a lot of people off. You'll never get through. You'll be just another fish in the sea. But if you do things the unconventional way, you'll be a fucking shark. You'll be a whale. You will be the biggest ting in the sea. Okay, I realise I just said ting. That was not a... <laughs> that was not um, a chavy bit of grammar. That was... I missed off the H. <laughs> Okay, that's quite embarrassing. I never usually say ting. I mean, I realise that and now I'm... Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay, that's quite embarrassing. But, but look, we move, we move on. We make mistakes. But yeah, the biggest thing I learned was you've got to do things the unconditional way for a start. Um, so I would go around sending envelopes uh, brown envelopes to, pe to to important people at companies trying to just set up calls with them and it worked loads I remember my first ever client meeting was with a guy called Matt uh, at Creeley unfortunately he left Creeley now 
but it was my first ever client meeting. So it, in effect, it was my first ever proper proposal that I almost needed to write for, for a company. And at the time, Creedly was such a big deal. And to be fair, it's still a big deal. And I thought, oh, we're in with this massive company here. How exciting. Um, so we went to meet Matt. And I, I thought the proposal was brilliant. And we went away and he said, look, email me for some info. We won't, we won't want to start for a year. And I was... I never reflected at the time, but reflecting now, I found the proposal the other day and what a load of shite it was. It was probably one of the worst proposals I've ever written in all my life. I mean, the logo was like pixelated, like it wasn't even straight. It just, oh, it was, was, I made the logo on Word as well. Like how cringe, like, yeah. And no wonder he said he wasn't interested then. But I genuinely went away and thought, great, we're in here. But it is so embarrassing. But these are things you learn with running a business. But if you can get on top of them before, then you may have quicker success. So things I've always failed at within business is like the account side of things. So doing my tax returns, all of that, I've always failed with that. So I brought someone in, I brought an accountant in who now she manages everything. But like one of the biggest things I keep saying, look, I keep saying one of the biggest things I've learned a lot of big things. So another big thing I've learned within business is that you are going to be shit at most things. You start a business because you're probably good at something. So for me, I was I was good at design, good at websites. That's why I technically started this. Like I didn't just go pick an industry and go into it. I started because I liked building websites. I've done it since I've I was been about 10 since like Wix came out and, and shit like that. And that's why I went into it. But I quickly realized and I, this is a mistake I made for albeit a year. I quickly realized that you need people around you who are almost better than you like I thrive on my team being better than me the some of the stuff they come up with I wouldn't have a clue how to do that I wouldn't have a clue but I don't want to be the best at what they do because that's why they're my team and I was bad at accounts I've like failed the tax return had a big tax bill within the first year like I didn't put it through because I didn't think I needed to. I just thought adding it on QuickBooks was good enough. But I soon realised that it wasn't. And I got to get this big tax bill through. I obviously paid it, which was quite stressful. Um, and then I bought an accountant on because I realised. And it was at that point I realised that I actually don't know a lot of things. Admittedly, like <laughs> I don't like to admit it, but I realised I didn't know much. I I knew how to, to albeit sell, I knew how to design websites, but I didn't know about account. I didn't know about managing clients. I didn't, <laughs> like, looking back, I didn't know about writing proposals. Now I'm really good at it because I've learned off, like, Luke, I've learned off the team. But I didn't, I didn't know these things. And one of the biggest mistakes people make is they go into business thinking they know it all. They think they can do it all themselves, but they can't. 
even if you just say to a few mates who are better at you at stuff, look, I'm, start, I'm looking at starting this business. Would you like to come on board? We'll give you a percentage, see how it goes. You could do it part time. Even just doing that, bringing people on board who are better than you, you are more likely to have success in the long run. Yeah, I think that's my point covered. Okay, so this point is actually very important. And I, I failed so much with this within the first year. It took me about a year and a half to actually realise that I've got to change my behaviour. I've got to change the way I was. And the next note is wasting time. So starting a business, running a business, your time is so valuable really valuable like every precious second counts and I remember looking back now and realizing that I probably wasted like this might be a bit dramatic it might be under dramatic I don't know I probably wasted half the year six months doing irrelevant shit and what I mean by that is so for example it was two months in I hardly made any money like, the business made a bit, but it didn't make a, a lot, you know? And so I just wasted the day looking at offices with my partner at the time. And looking back, I don't realise why I actually did that. Like, there's no... Like, it's clear I couldn't afford it. The business had no credit. Like, I just... And it's things like that. I did that loads. Not just looking at offices, but I'd go and, like inquire about just weird stuff that like I couldn't afford or that wasted my time I set up like loads of meetings where I like calls where I knew I wasn't going to buy off of people but one thing I really really learned and like I've definitely learned it now my time if I've got to do something like I'll always make time for the really really important things like my diary is blocked out in blocks when I'm when I'm probably working like I'll always do the really important things but looking back if I saved the amount of time I did from doing irrelevant stuff I could have progressed so much further and I know when you start a business it's really exciting to go oh, oh let's let's go look at, at offices but if you're 100% sure you're not going to get that office which let's be fair I was I thought it was exciting, but I, I knew I wouldn't be able to afford it. Then you don't need to do it. You'll get loads of new people trying to set up calls with you to try and flog you irrelevant stuff. And at the time, it's really exciting because you're talking to new people. But no, just no. Honestly, focus is the biggest. I'm, I'm saying it again. It's not the <laughs> I've learned a lot of big things to be fair, but focus is just one of the biggest things you've got to do in running a business. It's really, really important. Live within your means, buy within your means, and just focus on what is actually profit. Money is king, profit is sanity. I think that's the saying. That couldn't be further from the truth. Within the first year, you should 100% only do stuff that is going to make you money, that is going to make you profit. 
because by doing that you'll grow your business further and you in the long term you'll proceed further and I could have probably within six months maybe got to where I was within a year if I'd focused harder focused harder focused consistently and don't get me wrong I worked I worked extremely hard some nights I pulled off like 24 that I was working 24 7 like 24 hour days sometimes and then just crashing a couple of hours on the sofa or something like that like it was extremely tough but I had to do that because I wasn't focused hard enough during the day I was I was jumping on calls which for me looking back they didn't mean anything so yeah that is a big point just focus focus okay so the final bullet point as such in my wonder list very much says overview and this is very much <clears throat> what it says really we've almost come to the end of this podcast we've come to the end of yet another episode um albeit it's taken about five six months i mean i apologize but i guess reflecting I was very, very misguided. I was very easily persuaded, and I thought that running a business would be would be easy as such. I mean, I started the business with a guy called Ricky. He's he's actually he left the business. He's now come back on board the business. And okay, this is going to be bad because I'm going to really slag him off. But at the start, he was as clueless as I was. He was just more clueless. And he obviously listens to this podcast, so I have to sort of now apologise. I'll probably, I'll probably leave again. But he was clueless, and he knows I think this, but I'd never publicly say it. But I would honestly start a business with someone else. I mean, I remember his first, like people. A business is people. You need good people within your business. And unfortunately, I started with someone who wasn't that good. Now I start, now I'm with Hector. Ricky's come back as a different role. But you've got to start business with someone good. I always think you should start a business with someone because it's more, it's a hobby. It's more fun. But starting with Ricky, I remember the first sales call he made. He was kicking a football against the wall of the garage outside. I mean, how poor does that sound? He is a great. He's good on the phone. He's a good account manager. But he wasn't the right person to start a business with. But I do think you should really start a business with someone. So when we merged Brisk, it was me and Hector. Hector was really switched on. He knew what he was doing. He was a very, very good business person per se. And if I had him from the start, I almost feel like we would have progressed a lot further than. I had Ricky. Ricky lasted for a short period of time. He rung me up uh, a few months ago, begged me for a job. I gave him a job because he, he's a friend. I said, look, you've got a week to prove yourself. The first time didn't go very well. You've got a week. Choose out of these job roles, which we had going, which one you think you'd be best at, and we'll trial it. And he picked the account manager, and within a week, he proved himself. He proved himself. He was, he's a great account manager. He wasn't a good business person. But neither was I. 
And when there's two people who aren't good at business, it's never a recipe for success, really, is it? Really. But in a nutshell, I was very, very misguided. I thought running a business would be so easy when instead it was the total opposite. It was long hours. It was early starts. It was starvation for albeit a year. It was very little income. It was lack of freedom. And I was, I was almost questioning why it was like this when others make it look so easy. And I've been very misguided off entrepreneurs in the past. For example, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Stephen Bartlett, uh, Ben Francis. I've been very misguided. And I almost, I still am misguided, but I'm a different type of misguided. Looking at their journeys, they made it look so easy. Albeit some of them have started to document how hard it was, but just looking at like their Instagrams, their YouTube channels, I thought it was easy. And that is one of the reasons I started. I was inspired by these people. It looked really easy. And I thought I could almost not replicate it, but do my own thing. I was so wrong. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. It's not going to be easy. The journey ahead. If you listen to this and decide to start a business, the journey ahead is going to be tough. In fact, it's almost going to be impossibly tough. You will probably 99.9% fail. You will, the chances are you'll probably 100% fail, but you can't really have 100%. But the chances are you're going to fail. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be consistent. You've got to know quickly where you're going wrong everyone has dreams everyone has hopes everyone has aspirations but only a certain amount of people act on them and then an even smaller amount of people actually achieve them and when you think you're going to get something you obviously work towards it but when you get it it's never as good as what you thought it was going to be if that makes sense of course Running a business is tough. The rewards in the end have been fun, but there's so many times over the first year, the first two years, where I could have easily quit, easily gone back to that almost comfortable lifestyle, but not fulfilled. But that wasn't me. I'm here to leave my legacy. I'm here to try and change the world. I'm here to almost give myself freedom, and I'm documenting it along the way. One thing I regret, and if you are going to start a business, take this advice. Document it. Like on my Twitter earlier, I just tweeted, look, start, like, uh, my Twitter is almost like my diary. My Facebook is almost like my diary. I tweeted, starting a new business venture with Hannah and my brother, Dominic. It may fail, it may succeed, but it doesn't matter because at least we tried. That is what every business venture should like should be you should do it because you enjoy the industry you should do it because you enjoy running a business you should do it because you have some sort of skill set but be prepared to fail if i wasn't so persistent if i wasn't so hungry for it i would have easily bottled it up if you go into an industry because you think there's some quick quid in there you'll work the 9 to 5 as like society says you should 
but you won't work the overtime. You won't work. You won't work the six till midnight. You won't be hungry enough for it. You've got to love what you do. There's so many people who start a business just so they can put it in like their Instagram bios or and shit like this. And I I see my friends popping up with new shit looking clothes shops all the time, and I'm like, look, there's nothing different here. There, there is nothing different. You're literally doing what your friend's doing and what their friends are doing and so on and so on. And it's always the same. It's always like women's gym clothes and there's no difference. And yeah, yeah. This new business venture that me, my brother and my partner are going into, we were shocked that it wasn't there before. And look, there may be a reason why it wasn't there before. It may be a really, really shit idea. We may just waste, look, the worst that will happen for, for us is we waste £100 setting it up. We waste a couple of weeks of our time, like, sourcing product and stuff like that. That's the worst that happens. If it fails, we just crack on with our, with our lives. And I go back, like, to the agency. Hannah goes back to studying at university. Dominic, well, he's a lazy fucker, so he'll, he'll just do whatever he's doing. Probably sleeping or some crazy stuff like that but you've got to do what you love we're all three of us are really passionate about this industry and we're really really excited to share this with you but if i didn't love marketing if i didn't really truly love building websites and you you guys should know i love building websites i've talked about how i like purposefully got excluded from school just so i could go home and build websites I absolutely loved it from a young age. The school's never, like, helped me with that. I spoke about it in, I think, episode three when I talk about, like, the education system and how it's broke. But that was a passion from when I've been, like, 10. And then when I was, like, 14 in, like, a special education school, they would take me out. They would, like, build fake businesses with me. They'd build, like, DJ businesses, clothes businesses. We'd do, like profit and loss stuff so I've always been passionate about this I always knew that I was going to be running a business always I knew it from like when I was a young age but a lot of people just do it just so they can show off just so they look like they've got something when in reality you've got nothing at all yeah I think I've covered all my points Thank you so much for listening to episode five of The Online Disruptor. This one has been, for me, really, really enjoyable. I've managed to reflect on my startup years and look forward to almost the future and my new business venture. Look, I apologise that I've missed a number of weeks with this podcast, but that won't be the case anymore. Now that I've stepped away from brisk per se... Obviously, still heavily involved, but not as much. I'm now more capable to be able to record these these podcasts, and the next one is really exciting. I genuinely mean that, and I I honestly believe it's one of my favourites to date. This one at the moment would be my favourite, but I think the next one's very very good as well. I promise that the online disruptor is back. I promise. Hand on. <sighs> Yeah, I'm going to do it. Hand on heart, the online disruptor is back. It won't be back weekly. It'll be back fortnightly, but I'm super, super excited to share that. Um, so, yeah, 
look, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. <laughs> thank you for listening. Take care.